Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Candidly Crew. I'm your host, Chesley White. And I'm Marina Register. Yeah, so how's it going, Marina? Pretty good. It's been a long time since we've been in the studio, so it feels no. good what to be back. What has it been, like six or nine months? <sighs> it's not been nine months, right? Six. Six, okay. We'll call it six. Okay, good. We'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's fun to get back and do this again. Um Today, we are excited uh, to have Christine Gorham, Managing Director with Hamrick Capital with us. Um, we're going to chat with her about her story and, and hear about um, what she has going on. Um, and I'm personally so excited because she's your crew crush. Yeah, she's she's just pretty awesome. Like, I want to be her. I, when did so. you first see her? Because she was president of crew in, in 2020. A convention, I believe. Of 2019, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, we were there together. We were. That yeah. was San Diego. Yes. Our best oh, trip ever. Oh, my word. The best Where trip ever. Where did it No, no. That I was Santa Clara. Yeah, so yeah. San Diego is still, it holds a special place in my heart. Yep. I need to go back to San Diego, actually. Agreed. That was an awesome trip. Um, but so excited. Christine is an amazing guest. And we had Wendy Mann on at the end of season one, um, who was the CEO of Crew. And we kind of wanted to kind of keep that ball rolling Right. And we're able to get Christine to come in, but she had so many great nuggets throughout the whole yes, episode. Yes, um, I think this is a great one to kick off the season because um, she just came out the gate and was like firing these these awesome little career tidbits that I yeah. thought were great takeaways. What, what were mean, your two favorites? I would say like overall, we saw in season one that lifetime learning was just a huge part of every single interview that we had, and she mentioned that as well. But I loved that she said that we should always ask. Yes. She had multiple jobs where it looked like the situation wasn't going to work out for her and how they were t like put down like, hey, you're going to work four days a week instead of five. And instead of just jumping and running, she ran to, she went to her boss and said, hey, this won't work for me. Would this work instead? And I feel like that is such a great way to try and find a, a place that will work with you yeah. and, and have flexibility. Say which what you want. She I talked about later. Yeah. So, and then I also loved that she just harped on intentionality and how much she really thinks through her priorities of what she wants from a job. And her big point was, if you're going to spend so much time to plan a vacation, you don't just show up to an airport with a bag of some clothes and no ticket. You plan your ticket, you plan what you're going to wear, you plan your hotel. If you would do that for a vacation, why wouldn't you do even more than that for your career? So Agreed. I really liked the idea of having a journal for my career. Will I be gifting you a journal soon? Maybe. Ooh. Can't say that I Ooh, won't. I kind of like that. <laughs> Wait and see what that looks like. Sweet. All right. Um, well, yeah. So it's a great interview. I think you guys will really enjoy it. So let's go ahead and bring her in. All right, Christine. Um, well, thanks so much for joining us today on uh, our Candidly Crew podcast. Uh, we're, we're really excited to talk to you about your career and just what you have going on now. Um, so why don't we just jump right in? Yeah. Um, so tell us how you got started um, with everything. Like, take us back to college and kind of walk us through, like, where you went, where you're from, and kind of what you're thinking moving into commercial real estate. Sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. Uh, <clears throat> I guess I would actually even start before that and okay. tell you that awesome. my goal growing up was to be a cashier. <laughs> I, was got, I wanted to touch money. <laughs> Amazing. So, <laughs> I, um, so I'll just cut right to the chase. And so I, I was like, okay, how can I do that? And when I went to school, my, I, ma I majored in finance. And I was that geek in school who, instead of taking like badminton for fun, 
I took cost accounting for fun. So, oh, as a CPA, uh, <laughs> as a CPA, I have to respect that. <laughs> I'm, say, I'm telling you. Heart. <laughs> I'm telling you. You know what? It is so helpful in life, right? So. It was one of those things where for a career, but also just as a consumer in our world, it's great to know, know and understand business and numbers. So anyway, I kind of felt like a lot of people were taking management, marketing, which I, I love marketing. It fits into my personality naturally. But, um, but I really wanted to understand how things worked, how things move, how does everything work in our, in our environment. So from that standpoint, understanding if you can follow the numbers, you can follow business. And so I took, uh, so I took a lot of accounting, but I did major in finance and I graduated and kind of said, okay, I'm going to wall street. <laughs> Cause again, going back to, I want to touch the money. I'm like, I'm going to wall street. And so I got my degree, got my uh, license, my series six, my series 63. I was on my way to get my series seven investment license and was working in and with an investment firm and hated it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, false start. <laughs> so, um, so ended up working uh, actually at a community college. I was in Virginia Beach, and I was working at Tidewater Community College. I was teaching accounting, uh, management, marketing, and what was funny was they would walk in and they would say, you know, uh, would be start getting ready to start the class, and I'd start out with the infamous, "If you're looking to be in accounting 101." And uh, the, at this time with this person, then you're in the right place. If not, you're not in the right place. And people would all look, you could see, they all looked at each other like, are you kidding me? She's going to be the one teaching us. Well, yeah, I was actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and I thought I just, I really had studied and I, and one of the things I just was always the widget in accounting, the widget always got you. So I always said, I'm going to teach it from a different perspective. I want to teach it from a perspective that, that people can relate to and understand. Because it was always this abstract wooden widget in my head, whatever a widget is to you. So I would always start out and say, okay, what kind of car do you want to buy? I would pick somebody in the class. What kind of car? Okay, then I'd walk through. We would take that purchase of a car and walk it through an accounting example and how to set up your T accounts and all this kind of stuff. So um, anyway, so fast forward. So I taught and then moved to Northern Virginia. And I was, I was um, going to be working for the company EDS. I was going to work in their training department. And right before I moved, they halted all hiring, went on a hiring freeze. Great. So I get up to D.C., what am I going to do? And I took a position actually with an HVAC company in their accounting department. So I was very glad I did not play badminton for credits because I got to play. I got to just, I, was, I really leaned heavily on my accounting. Went to work for an HVAC company, worked there a little over a year, and then uh, went to a home building company. And I worked for a home de company home development company. So there was a division that did the development of the land and they would put in the streets, the curbs, the sewers, everything like that. And then it would come to our division, which was the home building division. And I was working as a project accountant, again, relying heavily on my accounting. And um, so I would track all the costs that would go into those developments. And then when the house was finished, we would know exactly what it cost to to put into that and then how to price. And then we were 
doing all of that. And then we got to the point where Peter was robbing Paul. So I will tell you, it was the late eighties. And, <laughs> and, uh, so just to date myself a little bit, uh, it was the late eighties and it was really watching, okay, we needed the next straw to exist. And so it was, we've got to get this project to this next straw to get that money in, then this part of the project to get this money in. And it was just this whole exercise of trying to get to the next dollar to stay alive. And they called us into an office. The, the controller called us into the office and said, uh, you know, we're going to cut all of you down to four days a week. Mm. And that was the kiss of death. I needed five days. And I walked into the controller's office afterwards and I said, I appreciate where you're coming from, but there's got to be something else in this company I can do that will help this company and will allow me to work five days a week. I'll do anything. And they said, can you mark it? And I said, of course I can mark it. So on the fifth day, I marketed. And while I was doing that, uh, which I actually, again, I really enjoyed. But while I was doing that, I realized I wanted to find something that was a little bit more stable. And I didn't want something that was going to ebb and flow with the economy as much as home, home development was. And I decided to go into healthcare. I thought no matter what the generation is, you need healthcare. Babies through those that are on their way out of our, um, you know, out of our world are always needing healthcare, and so I really focused on getting a job in healthcare. So I got a job as a project, fill in the blank, accountant. <laughs> For some reason, that was not even what I was thinking, but I should have based on all of these stories. So, so fill in the blank. So I got a job as a project accountant. And, um, and I, so I, that's really where I started. Um, so that was, you know, over 33 years ago and it's been awesome. I have loved healthcare. I've seen it grow. I used to take care of 12, around 12, uh, healthcare sites around the country where we owned the man, we ran the operations. So I did all the financials for those 12, properties. Then we started, that company started a surgery center division and I was brought over as the finance manager. And I worked with the physicians who also own surgery centers with us. And then I also worked with our business development, I mean, not business development, our uh, business office for all of the billing and, uh, you know, just really all of the revenue intake, if you will, and the books running all of that. And really helped educate our center directors because a lot of center directors were nurses who came up through time. They had their, their um, BSN, um, the Bachelor of Science in Nursing, and they would run the, end up running the clinics because they had just progressed through experience. But nobody had ever sat down with them and, and explained and gone through what does it look like to look at a financial statement? What does a financial statement tell you? So I would work with them so they could look at their statements and understand how that works. So I worked a lot with the center directors. They used to pull tricks on me because I do not like anything very clinical. It really kind of freaks me out. I'm very glad and very thankful. (laughs) (laughs) I love doctors and nurses, and I'm so glad they exist because I would be horrible. Um, I would be a horrible clinician. So... I'm very, very thankful, and especially given what we just have been going through with COVID, cannot say enough about healthcare workers. 
uh, fantastic, fantastic individuals that give so much of themselves. Uh, but anyway, worked with the, that um, health surgery center group, and then I ended up moving to Richmond, Virginia. And when I lived in Richmond, Virginia, I went to work as the state, di- state director of administration for a home health company where we were mixing drugs, r- mixing chemo and administering. I didn't. <laughs> the, nurses, the nurses would administer chemo and, and antibiotic drugs that you would go to a hospital for. We would do that in a healthcare, uh, I'm sorry, in a home setting, the healthcare in a home setting. And um, so I ran that. I would negotiate the managed care contracts, like, you know, the Aetna's, the Blue Cross Blue Shields, you know, the, uh, all of them, Cigna's, all of those. I managed all, of, I would negotiate those for our company. And then I ran the business aspect of the company. And, uh, and then I went through an acquisition where the, another company was buying that company. I was being asked to do things like give people two weeks notices, no severance, no nothing who had been there forever, uh, handle things, what I call dirty ball. I understand business is business, but I also believe I'm a very firm believer and business can be done in a very humanitarian way and a very fair way. And the way they were asking me to conduct business was beyond, way beyond what I would have um, ever done to anybody. And so I decided at that point in time to, that I was going to resign I didn't want to be the person turning the lights off when I left and either that or I'd work for that company. But something was a really big trigger at that point. I thought this is the type of company I don't want to work for. Hmm. So even if they would have retained me, I knew value wise, that was not a company I wanted to work for. And um, so two weeks after I resigned, I was asked to, I was asked by the top company in the home health division at that uh, home health business at that time, if I wanted to consider talking to them about a VP of the East coast region. And I just said, you know, my kids are one and four and this is a very, I'm like blare the horns. This is a very critical moment in time for so many women. If you stay home with your kids, do not give up your network. Oh, yeah. Ever. Work part-time, even if you're going to volunteer, volunteer within your industry. Even if you're not going to do that, go to lunch with your contacts, stay in touch with people. If you just go home to take care of your kids, and I say just as in like you're not going to do things with your business, not that I'm not saying that as in it's just staying home because it's just staying home is a lot. But if you step out of the corporate environment, do not let go of your contacts. That's like a number one nugget. So it's huge. When I did decide to go back to work, I was being offered 30% less money than I had been making as a top offer. Wow. It was pathetic. And some of that was because I had not kept in touch with folks. So I say, sound the horns, that's huge. And I'll say that, and it's even not even, and I say this too, a lot of times people think, well, you know, but either I don't want to have children or I can't have children, but it could be for any reason. It could be if you stay home to take care of an elderly person, if you stay home because you have your own health to deal with, whatever your reason is, it doesn't matter what the reason is. If you step out, stay in touch. So that's the wrong. So anyway, fast forward, I... um 
I left, uh, left the company, stayed home, and uh, I went through divorce, and I moved to Atlanta. I have a cousin who lives down here who was teaching at one of the high schools, and she was, I grew up with her at home. She was one of my, kind of like an older sister. I'm the oldest of four girls, and she was my cousin who was older, so she was sort of my older sister. Uh, moved to Atlanta, and I got a job in the fill-in-the-blank department of a huge hospital system. Wait, wait, I got it. Accounting. <laughs> Accounting. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> got a job in the, in the accounting department of the, one of the largest hospital systems in Atlanta. I worked in accounting for a little bit of time, uh, and I mean, like, I, I don't even know if it was a year. And I was started doing a lot of other projects, and I went to the CFO, and I said, I know you would like to probably think about somebody else to backfill me. Cause I was doing things like writing the strategic goals of the hospital by talking to all the department heads. I was doing financial reporting and um, I had been working on with some stuff with the foundation and I went to him. I said, you might want to think of somebody. I was there consulting. I went through a job placement firm consulting. And I said, I need to find something that's a full-time job. And they said, well, why didn't you apply to something here? I said, you don't have an FTE to give to me. <laughs> so how can I apply for something you don't have? And he said, give me two weeks. So after two weeks, I, I told him, I said, I'll give you two weeks, but I have to be honest with you. I'm really looking for something full time. I've got two young boys. I'm a single mom. I really need something that I know I'm going to be able to walk into every day. And he said, no problem. Give me two weeks again. About four days later, he called me and he said, come to my office. I have something. And I ended up having a position working for the CFO. So nugget number two, <laughs> always ask. And that goes back to even when I was working with the home developer and they said, we're only giving you four days a week. I went in and asked. I said, I need something on a fifth day. This particular case, I was like, I'm going to be leaving. They said, always ask. Always ask. So that's my nugget. You never know unless you ask. And uh, so anyway, I was, I was there and I was working and I, I was at the hospital system. They asked me to help over in the real estate division. Well, here enters commercial real estate. So I had worked with the home builder and I understood how the finances of the financial, the draws and everything happened in development. Well, now I'm working in the hospital system and now I'm going to be working on the leases. I was, if we owned it, I was doing leases representing the hospital and the, you know, a doctor would come lease from us. Or if I was working for the hospital and I was going to open a radiology center, I would go out and find the space and negotiate that deal. So as soon as I went over there, the first thing I did was I said, what's the best way for me to get this information? I need to get skilled up in real estate. Mm -hmm. And so I started my CCIM, my Certified Commercial Investment Member Certification. So I started taking those classes. And then because the hospital had different entities, I also went and got my broker's license. Well, actually in Georgia, it's a salesperson's license. So education. So nugget number three, <laughs> if you don't know it, don't be scared from, don't be scared of it, but just go get educated. You yeah. like make yourself go get educated and people are more willing to help you than you would even guess. People are always wanting to and willing to help. So don't be scared to ask people for help. 
and ask them for re- what they should, what should you do? In that particular case, I remember talking to somebody and I said, I don't understand. I'm not sure how all of this works. What should I do? And they said, go to, go get your CCIM certification. So that's what I did. Uh, so let's see, after that, I was at the hospital. So I was at the hospital for 10 years. And then there was a company that was buying properties around the country. They had contacted me about a space that the hospital leased. And I said, oh, it's only like, I think it was like 2,500 square feet. And I said, I, I was like, no offense, but I don't have time to talk to you about what we're, what the hospital's doing. We only have 2,500 square feet and you're, <laughs> here's what we're going to do. We're going to try to fill it. If you have somebody who wants that space, we'll do a deal with them. You can backfill it and we'll maybe do a buyout, whatever. We're just not interested in staying there. And um, they said, well, let's just meet. And I was like, I'll be honest with you. I've got 2 million square feet I'm handling. I don't have time to talk about 2,500 square feet. And so uh, fast forward, that company bought a, was buying a building where we had 52,000 square feet. I said, now we'll have lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. So, so, um, so I talked, so I met with them and, uh, and then they said, well, let me ask you a question. We're thinking about hiring a national asset, asset manager. We're going to be doing a lot in Atlanta, a lot in the Southeast. And we think Atlanta is a good hub. Can you give us some recommendations for a potential asset manager? So I gave them three names. I always give three names. And, uh, and so I gave him three names and I said, but I'll be honest with you. Let's talk a little bit more because I may be interested in throwing my name in the hat. I had tried to move up. There was somebody above me who had been there a year longer. I tried to move over. They said I was too valuable in real estate. I was kind of stuck. And I said, I want more. And I don't mean volume. I can't handle any more volume, but I want more for me. I want to explore more. I want to handle more. And so um, I just told, so I told these guys, you know, I may throw my name in the hat. I don't know if that's of anything you'd consider. And they said, oh my gosh, 100% we'll talk to you. So I met with them. And funny enough, they said, well, we're going to have dinner with the surgeon and it's somebody that we know, and they're going to be coming up from Florida. And so they might, but they're very intimidating. So just be ready because it's going to be, it'll be a little bit intense. They're going to ask you all kind of stuff. I was like, that's all right. I work with doctors all the time. I'm not worried. So they show up. It's a surgeon that used to work at one of my surgery centers. We were like, da, 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 just talking, 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 talking. Oh, do you remember this doctor? How's this one doing? How's that? And like this. And like, we just talked about the whole thing. We walked out and they were like, you've got to be kidding me. And I said, I don't mean to leave you guys out of the conversation. We have so much to catch up on though. So it was just really kind of funny how, again, if you just put yourself out there, you know, you're going to be nervous about things. You're going to be risky. They always say that the, the feelings you have, if you're nervous and you're exciting, you know, nervous or excited are the same types of feelings. So always yeah. just tell yourself you're excited about it. <laughs> I like that. So reframing. for everybody who's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's totally reframing. And yeah. if you're scared of getting on a roller coaster, just talk, tell yourself how excited you are yeah. uh, and get on there. And then it's exciting. But it's the same kind of thing with life, really. It's, it's nervous. You know, there's a nervous energy that happens. And if you just turn that into, well, this is kind of exciting. Like, I'm going to learn something here. You know, this is cool. Always be in a learning frame of mind. Like mm-hmm. the day that you think you know it all and you've learned it all, the day you, that's the day you start dying on the vine. Uh-huh. Yeah. You have to learn constantly. 
And that's something you know, that, that we saying, saw last season. Like yeah. that is a major theme and almost everyone we've interviewed to date is they're all lifetime learners. I love that. It's what makes, it seems like it's what makes people successful yeah. is that they're willing to continually learn and continually say, hey, I don't know that. What what should I be learning from that? Staying curious Yeah, is so curious. Important. Yeah. Curious. And I'll tell you, you know, and as a leader too, people are like, doesn't it offend you if somebody comes after you and they want to change things? I'm like, no, I would question them if they didn't because <laughs> you've learned something. You know, the year I'm president then or leading, whatever it is. If you don't learn something either from what we've done that worked or didn't work, what's happening in the environment, what's happened in the economy, if you don't take lessons from what has happened and morph to make be, make your situation better, then you're not in the right place. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean, and I'll also say as a leader, you don't always have to come in and be like, okay, change <laughs> it all. <laughs> you know, a lot of things work, right, but, yeah. but it's really assessing what the situation is and what the conditions are and what has to change. Not everything has to change, but usually there's something that needs to change. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I left the hospital and did the national asset management position. And then they started focusing on, uh, and that was, um, that was a fun position and that was in the downturn. So I did not sign up to talk to lenders and the banks and everything <laughs> to keep the properties yeah. afloat. But guess what? I learned what to do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, um, it was, it was very trying. It was something I didn't know about, but I learned how to do it um, and certainly asked questions and got guidance. And, you know, even then I was doing it. And, you know, I had situations like a, I'll never forget an investor who said, we got off the call and they called me back and they said, Christine, you know, I had the fantastic job of saying, I know we underwrote it and we bought it at 2850 a square foot, but it's worth 26 a square foot today. Oh, this month it's worth 24 a square foot. This month we're at 20. And they were like, Christine, this is my entire investment. I sold my entire family farm for this investment. Mm-hmm. And I did, you know, and I just, you're like, God, it breaks your heart. And you're thinking, okay, finance 101, don't always put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you're like, it's, and I was like, I, I don't set the market. I have to work within the market. And I'm trying to hold on to this property the best I can. So I learned a whole new lesson that I was not planning on learning, <laughs> um, you know, but I did. And, and um, it, was, it was definitely a learning lesson that I'll take forward with me. And um, so anyway, the company started focusing on multifamily and government. I am like, oh, geez, I, I really still love my medical. So, um, so I left that position and, um, and I was sitting in a meeting and now here enter more crew. I joined crew. Let me, I'll reverse real quick on the crew front. Joined crew in 2003. I was asked by somebody to go to a program because the hospital was sponsoring a healthcare program, a healthcare luncheon. I went to the program. They asked me back and then somebody asked me to participate on a committee. So for those folks who are involved in anything that does not pay you, (laughs) any kind of association, anything like that, if you're going to be involved, be involved. If you're Mm -hmm. not going to be involved, 
don't be involved because you get out of it what you put into it and then some. So you, yeah. the contacts that were made, the education that came with it, you know, the experiences and the, um, and really, I guess, you know, you learned that you really do learn to lead when you're leading committee members and when you're leading mm-hmm. volunteers who can tell you, mm-hmm. see you later on yeah. a dime and you're not paying them. It takes a whole nother level of leadership and you gain that through your volunteering. Mm-hmm. And so I always say, if you're in it, be in it. I had I learned so, you know, it started out getting familiar with the people on the committees and that grew to larger. And then let me introduce you to this person, that person, you know, you're all of a sudden, you're not a little tiny fish in a big ocean when you walk into a luncheon and you have that yeah. connectivity. So that really, really helped. So um, anyway, so being at the hospital got me to show up at the luncheon because we are supporting, you know, we are sponsoring mm-hmm. it. And they said, well, Christine, you're a female and you're real estate. Why don't you go? Okay, I'll go. So you check um, those two boxes. <laughs> I checked the boxes. That'll, that'll I'm get there right for you. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I'm right there. And what I found out when I got there and when I started working, doing the committee work, I really felt like, wow, there are a lot of people, a lot of predominantly women, not all women, predominantly women who really do care and really want to try to give a good product, a good program, who really care about helping each other. And the one thing I will say about crew, I have never witnessed anybody asking for help and not getting it. Mm -hmm. And, And when they say never, you know, use the extreme words, of always and nevers, but I can tell you I've never experienced where somebody wouldn't talk to somebody, somebody wouldn't try to offer help. Um, it's it's been incredible. And if somebody hasn't and somebody calls back, ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's because somebody said, "Oh my gosh, I was so busy, I missed that message," or "Oh gosh, thank you for reminding me." So again. Another nugget, if somebody's not responding, give them a chance because they may have just it may have just gotten lost in the shuffle and just yeah. kindly remind them that you need that you're looking for their help. Most of the time, again, most people will try to help. In crew, it's a true story. So fast forward, I um, was at the hospital and then I went to the private investment company and then they started doing the uh, you know, multifamily and government, which is fine. It was a finance company. Again, finance 101, diversify. But I went to a crew leadership meeting in Atlanta. The, chapters in, the chapter in Atlanta has a leadership program. And I had been a graduate of the program. I sat down to work at the lunch. We had a working lunch to work on the next class um, of leadership. We were putting that together. And this gal came in, she put her stuff down. She said, Oh my God. And I said, well, Lee, what's the matter? And she said, I need a partner. And, um, and I said, yeah, she's like, when are you going to partner with me? I said, well, she said, I'm going to stay on you. I keep asking you, I'm going to keep on asking you. And I said, all right, let's have lunch. So we had lunch and we talked about everything. And two days later she followed up and said, so what do you think? And I said, I think it's not going to work. She said, why not? I said, well, you want me to work for you, not with you. That's a big difference. And yeah. if I'm coming in and you want you say you want a partner, I hear ownership. But you talk to me about employee. And she's like, oh, my gosh, that's not what I meant. Let's talk again. So we, I said, why don't we do this? I'll write down ideally 
you know, this is what it would look like for me. Why don't you do the same? And then we'll compare those notes. So take some time, think about it, and let's come back together. And when we did that and we came back together, we matched almost verbatim. And so we, and so we said, okay, let's do this. So we started a company. She already had a, a company started. And I said, let's just expand this. And so we worked together and we had a company for almost eight years. And uh, she was a crew member. So, um, so we had the, the company, company and we were a uh, medical brokerage company. Okay. So um, we both had our broker's license and we really kept it small. She's just, you know, um, initially I said, let's just kind of keep it small. And then we both agreed to that. And then I was ready to grow it. And she was like, ah, I just really don't want to grow it too much. So um, she was getting closer toward working toward retirement. And I just told her, I said, well, it opens Pandora's box for me because either I'm going to continue to have the company and grow it, or I'm going to make a change. And right as we're having those conversations, I had um, a company call me from um, Dallas and they said, you know, you've been on the radar, you're being talked about in Dallas, and we would like to grow the uh, eastern, southeastern region, and your name keeps coming up, will you consider talking to us? And I did the, oh, I'll talk to you. Let's have lunch. <laughs> so, yeah. I wor- so I worked for them for four years. <laughs> <laughs> so I worked for them for four years. And um, I worked on development and, um, you know, worked in the business development to really introduce the name to the Southeast area and really started to get some traction. And that's when COVID hit. Mm. And so as anybody in healthcare knows, well, look, everywhere really, but in healthcare, if you had something signed, there was a chance that it was still going to develop, but mm-hmm. if it had not been signed yet, um, which we were days away from a contract signing, um, you know, then it just didn't, it didn't get built and everybody's attention instead of building new buildings, growing the hospital clearly went to focusing on patients mm-hmm. and finding places where you could go get COVID testing and where you could get isolation and et cetera. Um, rightfully so. And, you know, and I had all those conversations with the hospital administrators and just said, look, I, this was, you know, a little bit more recent, but I said, you know, I'm looking forward to talking with you, but it's been a while and I understand it's, you have done exactly what you needed to do, what you should be doing. Your job is to provide patient care. You needed to take care of COVID. So, um, but in that process, uh, clearly development slowed down and um, so development wasn't happening. And then most, so I was um, let go from my position. And in uh, November, right before Thanksgiving, and I said, you know, I was supposed to speak on a crew panel, crew Atlanta panel about having a successful career <laughs> right after I got laid up. Awesome timing. And I know. And I thought, do I even want to do this? And I thought, well, you know what, this is just, it's reality. And the one Mm -hmm. thing that I don't like is the sugarcoating that can happen with social media or that everybody puts on things. Everybody makes it very sugarcoated and it's all fine. It's great. You know? Um, And I thought, should I do this? And I thought, you know, it's, it's reality. And these are things that women go through. I mean, men do too. So when I'm saying women, I'm because I have crew in mind more so than, but, um, it's and you reality. know, it's like just a part of your career. It's not your career, you know, so career. it doesn't define right. you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, and, and 
so I, um, I had, I said, you know, if you haven't been in this position, maybe you've been in this position or maybe at some point you will and you don't know it yet, but you can't let it hold you up. You know, it, it sets you back for a second and you kind of shake your head and then you go, okay, what's next? The biggest ask, you know, if you talk to a lot of people who have been successful over time, one of the things they will tell you, something that drives success is your ability to be knocked down and get back up. It's on the recovery time that makes a difference with people who move forward or not. Mm-hmm. So always it, it's like, it will stink, but you got to get back up out of bed and keep on going. And you have to know to your point, it's a moment in your time. Yeah. Don't let it define your entire self. It's a moment in time. Keep on going. So, um, interviewed with a lot of people and it was really interesting because I was hearing things about all different aspects of the communities and, uh, you know, and of the industry. One of the things I talked about was real, one position I looked at was going to take me out of healthcare. And I described it as a train going down the tracks and, you know, somebody changes the track so that it moves it over to another track and to keep going down. And yeah. in that shift, it's all of a sudden you feel that like the grind, they're like, ee, 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 you know, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. that resistance of moving it to the other track. And it made me realize I could move to an entirely different track and look at industrial or office or retail. It's not that I'm not capable of doing that, but it didn't feel good. Mm-hmm. There's, I have such a heartstring thing that's tied with healthcare. I love, love, love that healthcare helps people. And like I said earlier, I'm a horrible clinician. I love my boys and I've cleaned up a lot of stuff with boys, <laughs> but I, um, I just, I'm just not like that. And I just don't have the stomach for it. And, um, you know, so helping the people that help people really means something to me. And I want to take care of the people that are taking care of people because that's what I can do and I do best. And um, so anyway, uh, so I've been looking and, um, and what I realized, here's another key nugget moment is that, um, you know, I was hearing a lot of, especially coming off of being crew president, you could, you should, you, sh- you know, you want to think of this, you know, it's just a lot of people were weighing in, trying to be helpful. Absolutely. 100% mm-hmm. trying to be helpful. I had a lot of crew members saying, Hey, Christine, can I put your name forward for this? You know? And one of the things that I really, I started to get a little bit overwhelmed because it was like shiny, 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 shiny. Oh, yeah. There were so mm-hmm. many different things out there. And the thing that I did was I focused on, I got a coach to help mentor me through the process. And I really said, and we really focused on, that's exciting. There are great things out there. There are fantastic opportunities. But what's right for Christine? What is right for me? What can I do? Because you're going to have things that come along in life that you're good at. And you know you're good at, and other people will tell you you're good at it, but it may not be what dr- what drives your heart. It may not mm-hmm. be what gets you up in the morning or gets you excited. You can be good at something and not enjoy it. And life is too short. You've got to enjoy life. And so when I get up in the morning, I want to be charged. I want to be charged and feeling like I'm making a difference and I'm doing something that's fulfilling to me. And um, so I talked about a lot of different opportunities, talked to a lot of different companies. 
And, um, and I ended up realizing that a lunch that I had with a former colleague, well, colleague, as in I knew him through the business, but I'd never worked with him. We sat down and we really talked about all kinds of things and about value. We were just having a conversation. We weren't even talking about working together, um, but just values and what's important and what have been things you've taken away from positions you've had that you loved, things that you didn't love, things that you would never want to repeat, things that you would want to repeat, um, all those types of conversations and even personal things. What are be, what's in person, important personally? Because I learned what's important, what's important to him. Do you know, I, all of a sudden I started realizing a lot of our values really align. And I did a lot of extensive work in my downtime, which was from the middle of November until the middle of February. And again, with all the holiday shift in the middle there, really focused on values. What were my top values? What were my top needs to be fulfilled? And then I started realizing, you know, he said, I know this sounds crazy, but, you know, would you maybe we should work together. And after I did a lot of other interviews and a lot of other things, I just said, I'll be honest with you. I never thought I'd want to work like with a more of a startup company. But if we could build something successful, you know, and really build teams and mentor teams and just build this phenomenal business, why wouldn't we do that? And um, so it's a huge challenge, but I made the change and I have joined uh, his name's Dana Hamrick. And uh, the name of the company right now, anyway, is, is Capital uh, Hamrick Capital. We are focused on growing and working with individual physician groups nationally on their growth, their capital, and their real estate. So we're advising independent physician groups, which I am so excited because so many, again, my love of helping clinicians be successful and, um, you know, I've had situations where I've worked with physicians and there was one in particular and his name really was Dr. Smith. <clears throat> he was sitting there and he was look, trying to think about this real estate transaction. And I finally said, Dr. Smith, I know you don't want to lay on this table and have me try to find your gallbladder. <laughs> That's what you do. But this is what I do. And this is really honestly, in all honesty, this is a great situation for you. And, um, you know, and I can think of another physician group and I put them into a surgery center and they were like, oh, I don't know about this. And I'm like, do it. This is good for you guys. Now they're like, God, oh, Christine, we say all the time, thank God, Christine, talk to us, <laughs> you know, but, and I'm like, and thank God, you know, where a gallbladder is. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> I sure. mean, because really to, to be able to build that level of trust with people when, I mean, Yes, you have CCIM and, and other certifications past your name, but it takes more than that for someone that is highly skilled in their own field to look at you and say, you know what, you're right. I'm going to trust you that this is a good position for me. Like that speaks so highly yeah. to what you've been able to create and, and really the trust that you build with your clients. Oh, I appreciate that. No, it's important. It's a very important part of what we do. And I genuinely, I will tell, I say this all the time. I have a very genuine interest in people. I would, I like to see people do well. I like to see people succeed. And if I can ever help them, I will. And I respect the heck out of the people that are taking care of people. Yeah, for sure. 
other people too, but I just, in my career. <laughs> she respects um, only doctors, then, everybody. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and accountants. That's what I was That's right. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, no, so it's just been a really, it's just been a really, um, you know, a zigzag ride. And if you talk to, there are very few people in their careers who have a straight line right up the ladder. Yeah. So um, if you're taking a zigzag, don't worry about it. You're going to figure it out. Love oh, that. for sure. So I have to ask, like, going back to your childhood and being interested in, like, the money part of it, like, where did that come from? I mean, is that something that you learned from your parents or was that just kind of, like, <laughs> no. natural to you? I mean. No, I was just, I think, um, you know, my parents were both school teachers and we were held accountable for our grades, I got to tell you. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, education was very, very big. I mean, my my grandparents, you know, uh, my grandmother was a teacher back when it was not okay to really be a teacher. As a matter of fact, she had to quit teaching because she got married. That was the law. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, wow. I know, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but it was, uh, no, but it's just, I think I just always was like, oh, you know, like I, I just like to go places and see things. And, you know, I liked nice things and yeah. I don't know. So I was always just like, you know, I ha- I wanted that back in the day, there will be some people that listen to this and they'll remember, you remember <laughs> that pair of Sassoon jeans. You wanted those <laughs> Sassoon jeans, you know? <laughs> and I was the oldest of four girls. I was like, I had to babysit like crazy to get that pair of Sassoon jeans, yeah. you know? So, um, it seems so, a really astute know. thing as a child, like, or, you know, coming up to to notice, I don't know. To notice that, yeah, that money helps you get what That's you right. need. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being naive. But well, you're not an well, accountant. It's okay. things like, well, you know, well, if you don't account, if you, yeah, I know. no, but I yeah, was like, true. just but travel really intrigued me too. I just thought, you know, my grandmother, um, you know, my grandfather passed away, and she just started traveling. Yeah. And I was like, God, oh, that's so good. Like, that's so yeah, cool. You get cool to go example. there. You get to go there, you know. And I just wanted to be able to have the money. I thought, gosh, it'd be so cool to go on an airplane someday, you know. Now I have yeah. now I have platinum status on Delta. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Now you might wish you could stay home, like, just a tad bit more. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love I, traveling. I think so. it's that's pretty awesome. interesting. It seems like, along with being a lifetime learner, it does seem like you're also very much involved in the teaching aspect. I mean, not only did you teach at one point, but it sounds like a lot of what you are thinking both in a couple of the different jobs that you mentioned and then in this current one, it's like this idea of mentorship and of teaching. Mm-hmm. And like, where do you think that comes from and, and why does that mean so much to you? And maybe it's, it's your parents that instilled that in you. Yeah, I do. I think, uh, you know, growing up in that kind of a household and we had respect. I mean, we respected our teachers and a lot of that came from them. And the fact that they are getting up every day going in to try to help you learn to take you to the next step. And there was a big respect put on education and then realizing that you could probably accomplish more, the more you're educated. And I think that was, I don't know where the drive comes from. I'm just constantly, um, I can tell you the competitive side of me comes from my dad. (laughs) I was, I was, uh, you know, he would take me out on the basketball court and show me how to hip check and throw elbows. And, you know, (laughs) I remember one time. I grew up like, this is really important too. If you have girls, um, I was never told I couldn't do anything because I'm a girl. I was never told that. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, like my dad would hip check me. I, I slid across the playground and I looked at him one time and I said, I'm like, dad, I'm a girl. <laughs> he said, yeah, but you're going to be a good girl. You're going to be good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. But I think, too, the other thing, um, you know, going back to your question on the teaching and mentorship, I think that there is such a lift that happens when you mentor somebody and that when you're mentored and there's such it's it's free. Yeah. I mean, how many things in life are free that can really help you? And, you know, and it's and again, I mean, I mean, like, it's just such a. um I love people. I love to try to help people and invest in people. And it's such an easy way to invest in somebody. And you can see such a difference. And it's proven. Statistics prove if you have gone through mentoring and you have that, it's that you have better, um, you've had better growth opportunities Mm -hmm. and you can scale faster. And I will tell you, I'm putting together, I'm working with um, a great committee right now. I'm in the women in health. I'm on the board for women in healthcare in the Georgia chapter. And we're building the mentorship program right now. And I cannot wait to kick it off. It's going to be awesome. Okay, well, and, I have to uh, talk with you then yeah. because we just started a we mentorship program notes. in um, Crew Upstate to try and figure out how do we, oh. how do you foster organic mentorship in a place mm-hmm. where you kind of have to put people together and see where it grows? Because I just feel like there's some level of mentorship that's organic, but there's some part of it that's also learned. And how do we combine those two and yeah. help it move forward? So, yeah, and you know, we, a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, we, we can talk and we can talk now or we can talk <laughs> offline, but it is, um, I love it. I love mentoring. And so, um, you know, and my biggest thing is at the end of putting your time into something, you should have a takeaway. You should have grown and you should have a takeaway. That's something that you're going to carry forward. So that's a big part of what we're doing in our program. That. Okay, so when are you coming up to Greenville, and we can go out, go <laughs> yes. out for drinks, and we can chat about all this stuff? <laughs> go, yeah. We can go get our live music, Phil, and there we can, um, yeah, or just yes, invite us up I to know. tailgate at one of the Clemson games, and we'll come up. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, we'll be up there. We are going to be at every home game, so you come on down to Clemson. Perfect. We can come up to Greenville. Love that town. <laughs> that is so. Awesome. Love that town. <laughs> well. Let's say, what advice do you have as we talk about mentorship? What advice do you have for someone that would be interested in commercial real estate? I mean, you've already given us some great nuggets, but anything else for someone in commercial real estate? Yeah, I think it just, I want, I think the biggest thing to understand is commercial real estate has so many different facets. And it doesn't matter if you're introverted or outroverted, extroverted. If you're extroverted, you know, it doesn't matter. What is your interest? What makes, again, what fuels you when you wake up? What do you love to do? Don't ask yourself, what am I good at? You can, but that should be on your back burner. What am I interested in? What makes me happy? And I tell a lot of people, if you don't know what, if you're sort of all over the page, um, there are so many different exercises you can do. But when I've, I've told this to my um, kids actually said, so keep a little journal just in one place. And you can even put a note on your phone. <clears throat> when you had a day that you are like, wow, this is just, I loved today. You know, you have those days you're like, I mm-hmm. loved today. If I could have today every day, I would be so happy. <laughs> put some notes down about what you did that day. What made you, what was it about that day that made it happy? 
And then when you have a day that is just off the chain, just horrible, write down what it is. And it could be a person. It could be an interaction that happened. It could be a job that you did that you absolutely hated. It could be a task or something like that. It could be a geography thing. It could be anything, but keep track of the of the pluses and the minuses. And then you start to see commonalities in your notes, what to avoid and what you want to chase. And um, so I would say, again, in commercial real estate, there are so many facets of commercial real estate, but um, it's just to me such an interesting field there in in, in an industry. And it, there are so many silos, right? Like I'm in healthcare, but there's office and industrial and retail Mm -hmm. and, you know, data and like it just constantly evolving, but it's fun to kind of see you, you sort of know what's happening in your city before other people do. And that's kind of fun. Oh, it's so fun. You know? Yeah. So when you were meeting with your business coach, evaluating your next step, what were your takeaways from that conversation as like the most important thing for you? That you wanted to focus on. I know you love healthcare, but what specifically, like, you're the best part of your day that you wanted to try to repeat again? Yeah. So she's like, Christine, if you sit down and crunch data for a living, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yep. I'm pretty sure I knew that already. Um, I I did that enough to know that I'm good at it. I do not love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I need somebody else to do that for me but I can extrapolate what I need to from somebody else's um, analysis. But what I, she's like, you need to work with people. Absolutely. I get energy from people. And I w- and the other thing that I really found interesting that had not been part of my thinking was um, I was like mentoring and teaching how to be part of it. So I'm excited to build teams. But the other thing that kept coming back and this changed from where I was, and let, I'll tell you a very quick story about it before I tell you what that part was. I got on a call. I sent her a note and I said, Debbie, I've got to talk to you. I am all over the board right now. Cause I'm like I was saying earlier, shiny, 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 all these mm-hmm. different jo- opportunities had different things going on. I was like, I need to reel this in and get recentered, refocused again. And I said, I can't tell what's good. Why, why I'm feeling like this. Cause I usually have a pretty good handle on this and something seems very different. And she said, what else besides work has changed in your life in the last, say, six months to a year? And I said, well, I've gone through some things with my parents. You know, my parents have gotten older and there are some things that we've done to help take care of my parents. And they're in Pennsylvania. So they're far away from me. That's been a challenge. And, uh, and then I said, you know, with my, my youngest is getting ready to graduate. I don't know where he's going to go to school yet. And I'm just thinking through all these things. And I just, I said, I just feel like the word flexibility has officially entered my arena because prior to that, I didn't care. I wanted to work as hard as I could go as far as I could and just go, go, go. And I said, I really never gave any credence to that word. I have got, but given what life has now become, I want flexibility. If, if my son needs me out of town, I want to get to him. But a lot of it had to do with my parents. Um, so that was a word that bubbled up that hadn't before. And she said, well, you know what? You've gone through a kaleidoscope change. I said, okay, so explain that to me. 
she said, if you look through a kaleidoscope and you see pieces inside that kaleidoscope, different colors, different shapes, and you see a picture, you see that way. Then all of a sudden your kaleidoscope shifts and all those pieces rearrange. They're the same pieces. They're the same colors, but they rearrange. And now you have a different picture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, thank God. She said, give yourself some grace. You've gone through some changes. Family means a lot to me. So that, that being that heavy to me was a big shift. And I have to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. So that was a very big part of what I carried forward in my decision making. I didn't want to be in a situation where I didn't have, I needed to be in more control of my future of my time than I had been. And it was fine for then, but now I'm, I'm a di- in a different place. Now my kaleidoscope has a different look. Mm-hmm. So I have to address that. And um, that was a big part of, that was a big part of it. And so once I was like, whew, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then I looked at it through that lens. And these are things that are really important to me. It completely made my decision so much easier. And I, and I took probably eight different things I was looking at and brought it down to three. And then from that three, I was able to go through and say, what are my other values? And, and then also look at the situations because in some situations I was like, I'm re- I felt like maybe you're not ready for me. You want to make your company make, want to make this change, but I don't think you're ready yet. So I can't come and be successful if you're not ready for me. Yeah. And, um, you know, like you can push rocks uphill, but you can't push boulders uphill. Yep. And um, so anyway, just all that kind of thing. But it was really understanding and giving myself grace that a kaleidoscope shift had happened and that it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It just looks different now. And so what I need to think about and what I need to consider, I'm in a different place in life and that's okay. Yeah, and it's interesting the way things work out. I mean, now you have the work situation you need to have that flexibility. You know, like you've got that moment to kind of sit back and reevaluate and, and wait for clarity to come. And like, you know, it's so unfortunate that you were let go from your previous company, but now look where you are and you have that flexibility to to do what you need to do where you with where you are in life right now. I mean, I, you know, yeah, yeah, it's pretty amazing yeah, how no, it all works like, uh, out. You know, like a shameless plug, but it's funny you say Clarity because that's the name of the company is Getting to Clarity. <laughs> that's the, the coach I was working with. And, you know, and she, she's awesome. And, but I'll tell you, you know, it was um, really the Clarity is what made it so easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, when you have so much data, really, I mean, like you say, you say like shiny things, but like it's so much data coming at you yeah. and to be able to sorted and extrapolated and figure out what you need to do with that data of what you're going to do with your life. It's like, it's one thing for me to do it with uh, financial statements for someone's company. It's another thing when I was thinking about changing jobs and I was like, there's all this data coming in and I, I got to figure out what actually makes me happy. And, and like you said, figure out like, what are my priorities? And can I write down what I would want my day to look like? Like, what are the things that I'm looking for in yes. the next job? And that's, very for me it was very difficult to do I, I had a friend sit down she's like okay Marina but like what makes you happy I'm like, I don't know uh, 
I, I, like, I have no idea what actually makes me happy. So yeah, it took a lot of introspection and, and like sitting around yeah. for me to figure out how to move to the next thing. And I don't know what, about you guys, but what I've found about myself recently is that I'm so task to task to task to task. And it's things are so hectic and busy right now because the economy has been booming and, and that's wonderful. But sometimes it, it's hard to sit down and have those moments to reflect on like truly what makes you happy and, and where you want to be going and make sure you've got the right strategy. Yeah. Um, that's something I'm like trying to figure out how to work on having Can more I of those. Can I recommend getting to Clarity and you just get yourself a coach? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to pass on her information. <laughs> I would be happy to because it was helpful for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because um, and this isn't a secret either. And it's, you know, and I always say when I say these things, I always say it like I'm not male bashing at all. Right. I, I love working with men. And I think it's really important. Like men, the women need men. I mean, men are running a lot of the industries and we need them to partner mm -hmm. with us. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I say things, I'm certainly absolutely, you know, just not male bashing at all when I say this, but you know, women always take so much on. You have your more, you know, you get up and you're focused on what's happening to take care of the home place and you're out working and you come home. And especially, you know, if you're a working mom or, and, and I always say too, like uh, people that have a lot of, that have pets, I mean, it's the same thing. You're accountable to have to take care of somebody else or something else. Um, but a lot of times it is known women put themselves last and, mm -hmm. and it even shows up in negotiations, believe it or not. And um, if you just get yourself a little bit of quiet time, you know, a half hour, you get up a half hour earlier, you stay up a half hour later. And I have a journal. It's interesting. I have a journal that is separate than my other, any other, um, uh, what to call it, uh, like any other journals that I keep things. And I'll just show mm -hmm. you, like, if you see the top of it, I don't know if you can see, it says, what's yeah. next is highlighted. Uh, yeah. This is like, this is my, if you want to know the deep secrets of Christine, <laughs> this is where it is. But I keep it all in one place because <coughs> I go back and it's things I refer back to. If I need inspiration, if I need a little like, okay, hey, well, I'm, I'm feeling myself slipping a little bit. I need to make sure I'm staying on track. It's all in here. And things that people have said that really resonated. And it's fun to go back. And like I have got right in front of me my priority list about what I want to do and what my timeline is to do it. And something that was said a while ago is, you know, I've heard this in, from different people, but if you're going to go on a vacation, do you just go to the airport with a bag that happen to have clothes in it? Yeah, nope. No, you're going to plan your outfits. You're going to plan your flights. You're going to plan your hotel. You're going to plan your week. You're going to go ahead and make reservations at places you have to. Whatever the case is, you're going to put all this work into that one week. Why would you not put work into your career? That is every yeah. day of your life. And it's what you wake up and do every day. So put that kind of concentrated time into your career. Okay, there's our intro paragraph. I, I, put, program. I put a lot of thought into my vacations, so I should probably be putting similar thought into my career. Good to know. Write it down. That's my nugget for the day. Yeah, because otherwise awesome. it just happens, right? Yeah. Like life just happens yeah. and it's not intentional. So you right. want to be intentional about where you're heading. Yeah, oh, for intentionality sure. is so important. So I have, well, I have two questions. Okay. Can I interject here? Okay. Um, number one, um, 
How did you go from Crew Atlanta to Crew Network? Like, how did you transition up into yeah. something national? Um, gosh, I can remember sitting at a crew convention and seeing the president on stage and going like, oh my gosh, she's like an angel. <laughs> I was like, she has got her, you know what, together. <laughs> um, and I thought, how cool would that be to at some point in my life be able to do something like that and really impact a lot of women and the industry because mm-hmm. you want to have a voice for women, but also for the industry and help the industry understand what do women bring to the table? Why mm-hmm. women? Why yeah. should you think about women? And I am not a box checker. Don't hire me because I'm a woman. Do not do that. I'm going to be, I want, I want to be hired because I'm good at what I do. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, when I saw her, I was just like, wow, that's just a huge inspirational goal. And um, <clears throat> that was probably, gosh, I'm trying to remember, 2000, maybe 2007, 8, 9, 10, somewhere in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> in that decade, yeah. Somewhere in there, probably 2010. And um, so anyway, I, again, I was already working with the committees in Atlanta and then I was asked to sit on the nominating committee in Atlanta and they said, gosh, we need, you know, who else? Like, let's put that, some other names on here that we can think through. <clears throat> we needed some volunteers for some other areas. Who else can we think about? And um, so we were like, we have to go, we need to go back out and ask people, Hey, look, we need, we need some, we need more names. We need more help. And, um, and they said, we need more, um, you know, we need to brought, kind of cast a wide net. And I said, well, let me ask a question. How do you get to be president in Atlanta? And they said, oh, my gosh, that's, so, that's the question we are hoping you would ask. And I was like, no, seriously, how do you get, like, I have to serve on all the committees. You have to serve on every committee to be president. They're like, no, you don't have to serve <laughs> on every committee to be president. And I, and so that was a big, like, oh, moment where I thought, okay, you don't have to know everything about everything to be a leader. And so the next year I said, well, I'll I'll go for it. And, um, so anyway, luckily I sat on the board. I went in for directorship. I was on the, I was a director in 2012, 2013, no, 2000. And let me back up. That would have been, let's say 13, 12, 11, 2011 and 12. I would have been on the board of directors for Crew Atlanta. 2013, I was the pres- I got elected as president elect. I was president in 2014. The, in 2015, as I was past president of Atlanta, I got elected to be on the board of directors for Crew Network. And it was really talking to people again, put it out there. You have to put it out to the universe. The world is not full of mind readers. Yeah. And so I said, you know, that's something I would love to do someday is I'd eventually love to try to be president of crew network. I mean, I just think that's such a, it was so inspirational and I just want to be inspirational and I want to try to, you know, fuel some people. And, and so, um, I don't know. I just, so, but somebody saw it in me and they nominated me and I, and I didn't, um, 
I don't know. At that point, I wasn't specifically targeting it that year. I wasn't saying I want to be a director in 2015, but I was like, I'm interested. I told somebody I'm interested in trying to do that at some point. And really, I think it came more from somebody that was um, nominated. They just said, I think you should go for it. And I think they nominated me. And I thought, oh my God, like her network, are you serious? Like I'm, you know, I'm a broker here in Atlanta. I work within two hours of Atlanta. And so, but I went for it and I got elected to the board and um, that was 15 and 16. And then I rolled off because it's a two year service and I rolled off at the end of that year. And I will tell you, this is not widely known, but I'll tell you, I went for president in 17 and did not get it. And, um, so it was a little bit of a step back and like an, ugh, you know, like a little bit of a gut punch. You're like, man, you pour so much into something and then that it's rejections hard, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so then I, so I sat out in 17, I went then in 2018, they asked me if I would come back as the chairman of the, the chair of the foundation, And I said, well, let me think about it because I've never known a chair of a foundation to go on and be president. Is that, so I I think that's an impossible step to take. And they said, well, nobody's ever done it, but it doesn't mean it can't be done. Okay, well, let's change that. (laughs) So I, um, so I took on the chairman of the foundation, which I truly believe was the foundation of women in commercial real estate. We do so much for um, gals in high school, college, mm-hmm. and we with through the scholarship program, through our research, it truly is the foundation of supporting women and the next generation, especially. And so I, um, I did that in eighteen, and then I got elected, and I thought, okay, God, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I'll go for it again, but it's so hard. Like you really pour yourself out there. And, um, and I was lucky enough that I was chosen the second time that I went Mm -hmm. for it. And, um, you know, and it was, it was just a life changing. It was life changing. I mean, 2019. Awesome. I was learning from, uh, you know, Holly Niebuhr was ahead of me and I was Mm -hmm. watching every move she made. Awesome. Um, Tara, you know, Tara Piorco had been, was before Holly and, um, or no, I think she was two before only. Now, like all my years run together, add COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's weird you know, how that happens. Tara and I'm like, it was just like one person after the other just were so um, embracing. And I, t- you know, they just gave me that whole, you can do this, you know, you can do it. Mm-hmm. And we always say, and it's true, you have in you already what you're going to need to do what you do next. You, it already exists within you. You just have to tap it. Mm-hmm. What is that? And if you follow the mission of whatever you're working on and you are coming from a place of authenticity and you genuinely care about moving the needle and you care about working with people, you care about hearing voices from all around the table, not just one person, you're open and you make a collective decision for the best of the organization then um, it just all works out and um, it's very supportive. It's a, and and again, I'll go back to what I said early in our conversation. People don't want to see people fail. People want to see people succeed. Yeah. And um, 
So especially anyway, but this it's, network, it's awesome. I mean, I'll tell, share a quick story. The very first meeting I had in crew with my crew buddy, yeah. the last question she asked me, at, it was a coffee meeting. The last question she asked me was, how can I help you? And that has never been asked before in any meeting I'd ever had up until that point. And I was like, this is really weird. Like, do people genuinely care about helping each other in this organization? And that's turned out to be entirely true. Um, so it's just, yeah. it's a really cool thing. So, um, okay, my second question is uh, you got to interview Diane Keaton while you're president. <laughs> what was that like? It was hard. <laughs> we, we watched that interview together when we went, because we, it was obviously, we, like I was the president-elect at the time, and she was my delegate. And so we were supposed to go to convention, and we're like, okay, keynote, let's like bring it on in. We'll sit together. And we were like, this is, this is a conversation. <laughs> I'm we we thought that you. that might be the case. <laughs> oh my goodness! So I'll, so let me tell you, it was crazy. We um, said when they told me I'd be in, um, interviewing Diane Keaton, I was like, oh my gosh! Like I've loved her in so many movies, and it's so awesome. And um, and I was kind of like, okay, but I have to ask, what's the tie? Why am I interviewing her? What's the tie-in? Um, and the tie-in is actually she's very involved in real estate out in LA oh, and she's oh, been, she's that. done things with real digest. Her dad was a, I think, I believe a civil engineer. She's been extremely involved in real estate. And, um, whew. so I got my list of questions that I was legally allowed to ask. I was not allowed to ask certain questions and, um, you know, and so they had provided my bio, my picture, everything. Cause Diane Keaton, she's like, I want to know who I'm talking to. I want to see what she looks like. I want to know like, who's this person? So Diane Keaton got all this information about me and she was, they were like, all right, she knows you. And said so she was going to have a monitor uh, in front of her and they supplied in all this information, the questions, information about crew. Um, they sent it and said so she had all the information and I don't know. She walked in, sat down, and um, it went nothing like what we had talked about. <laughs> and I asked the questions, and then it would go off rail, and I kept going, oh, my gosh, we have to get back on rail, you know. And, and um, so it was, it was interesting, to say well, the least. And I, was, I will say I you handled of, it well. Yes, you handled it well. <laughs> I had a lot of texts that said, oh, my gosh, Christine, if you don't stay in real estate, you should do a talk show. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I don't know how you just pulled that off. And yeah. she was she was really she was sweet. She was really sweet. But she, it was nothing about what we had talked about was, you know, we had a couple of questions hit that we were able to able to stick on track. But yeah, it was scary. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really interesting. But you uh, did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. We Thank enjoyed watching you. it. <laughs> I'm like, boy, if you remember it as the pandemic president and the president that di interviewed Diane Keaton. <laughs> Hopefully there's some positive in there somewhere. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, um, I guess let's move into our, our rapid fire questions. Um, are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right. Um, number one, what do you like to do for fun? It has to um, either live li combination, live music, sports, and on the water. Oh, 
Can you do all those things at once? I kind of think <laughs> You'd so. You'd be surprised. Okay, okay I have respect. Uh, where is your favorite place to travel? Somewhere new that I have not been. Okay. That sounded like, isn't yeah. that what Wendy Mann said? Yeah, I think so. I think you had yeah. the exact same answer as Wendy Mann. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. funny. Um, where, what is your favorite book or podcast? Um, one that just sticks out in my mind is I love Carla Harris. And uh, so she wrote Strategize to Win. And it's okay. full of some good stuff. Yep. Yep. And then current TV show that you're binge watching. Yellowstone. Uh, okay. Really? I'm going to Montana in April because me and my friends all binge watched Yellowstone. And did you watch 1883? No. Okay. It's the, pre- it's the prequel series. We just finished this last week. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. Well, we can talk about that at the next Clemson game. Don't worry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. Last question. Um, what is your favorite restaurant in Atlanta to go to? Oh, in Atlanta, I was ready to think in Greenville. Okay. Well, I mean, mm. Greenville, too. We just Greenville figured too, you would just, you have know. a Greenville restaurant. So, House Chop House is good on oh. the water there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in Atlanta, oh, my gosh, there's so many. Um, mm. You know what? I would just have to say it depends on what my taste buds are asking for yeah. that day. It's so true. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm from uh, Carnage, like Georgia. Georgia. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so I went to Georgia Tech um, for school in Atlanta, so I can definitely can agree there's lots of good restaurants there. Yeah, I think, you know, I would say one of mine was probably Sundial, only from the standpoint of um, that was my first date with my husband. And um, if you're new to Atlanta, you haven't been here, it's a great way to see the city, get the lay of the land, you know. But there are so many fantastic restaurants so many. I like the ones that are not the chain. Like I like chain restaurants when I am in a hurry and I need to go somewhere and know what I'm getting. But I love to explore, um, like you know, the, the local places. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, hundred. We're the same. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. Yep. Well, I wanted to say thank you for agreeing to come on and spend time with us. And I feel like you one, you have so many nuggets, but you were really vulnerable with us. And it seems like that's something that you do in your career and with people around you. And it. It really shows. And so I want to thank you so much for doing that with us here. Yes, seriously. Oh, gosh. Thank you. Again, it's just fun. And, you know, like I said, I think if you don't, if you only share the good stuff, it's important to share good stuff. But I think so many people, you know, have downtimes. And if they just feel like they're the only ones experiencing those kind of feelings, Mm -hmm. kind of lets them feel like they're on the island. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's life is just put, pull the bootstraps up. Like I'll tell you, I told Wendy Mann actually talking about crew. I had on, um, it was Tuesday, March 17th, 2020 at 10 a.m. Eastern time. That specific, I will never forget that time as long as I live because I had a call every Tuesday with Wendy and that particular Tuesday we got, she, when she called, everything had changed. And I, she said, how you doing? And I said, Wendy, we have a, we're living in a different world. She's like, I'm glad to hear you say that because we're on the same page. And, um, and she's like, you know, it was all about the pivot. Mm-hmm. We have to do what we can immediately to add value to our members. And force majeure was the first two words coming out of everybody's mouth at that time. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so our first program was like, you know, we were like force majeure. And we just constantly built on what's new, what's new, trying to stay ahead of everything that everybody needed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and it was just, um, and I told her, like, I had, 
you know, I mean, I joined career 2003 and I make it to the presidency 17 years later and it culminates to that moment for being <laughs> president. And it's like, and it's gone mm-hmm. from the perspective of what you envisioned. Yeah. Now right. I probably got to talk to way more people than I ever would have talked to. And I got to talk to people all over the different countries and experience a lot of different things. And I sat in on a lot of educational events that I normally would not have signed up to sit in on. I mean, I'll tell you, like I did an interview with Laurie Baker and she is, was phenomenal. She's with Camden properties. I wouldn't have necessarily signed up to set, to sit in on a multifamily program, but I interviewed her mm-hmm. and it was awesome. And there were so many things from her interview to take forward and you can use in your own. And I thought, here I have been crossing off multifamily conversations and the whole time I'm like, gosh, there's information here we can use. Oh yeah. So, um, so that was a little, so it was definitely eye opening in a lot of different ways than I didn't expect it to be. But, um, you know, I did, I had a couple of days where I was, I was down, I was mm-hmm. down for the count. And I told Wendy, you're going to have to give me a minute because this was a punch in the stomach of, for what I thought the year was going to look like. And, um, so we got to recalibrate. I mean, we're, you know, we're sitting here in Greenville wondering, you know, what's going to happen and how we're going to adjust and we're seeing work slow down and, and the education programs that you guys put out, you know, just kind of help keep you like kept you engaged and like thinking about, okay, how can I pivot? How can I maybe do this differently to kind of create some more um, energy around like what we're trying to do. And so I thought it was great. I mean, because the one thing you can't let go when you might have a lull is your network. So we had to keep Crew Network and Crew Upstate and all these different crew programs going so we can make sure that people were still staying connected at that really important time. So um, I think absolutely in some ways like that, like the year of 2020 was such an important year for Crew Network. So, yeah, yeah, it was it was great. And, you know, um, to hear the comments, you know, if I have to if I'm going to be required to drop any of my uh, memberships. I'm only allowed to have one membership, whatever it was the way it was says spoken. And they said, I will never drop crew. Mm-hmm. Crew is the one I'm going to keep. I mean, that is like, and you hear things like crew is what helped me through COVID. I mean, that's just, oh God, you know, that's just straight to my heart. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, cool. Thanks again, Christine. Um, it's been awesome. So we really appreciate it. And we oh, are going to find you at the next Bumps and Game. Yes, so. that's right. No Tigers. No <laughs> <laughs> <Get> Tigers. <laughs> All right, ladies. Good speaking with you. You too. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. The Candily Crew Podcast is sponsored by Truist. Truist is proud to be the 2022 Marble Sponsor for Crew Upstate and the sponsor of this podcast series. Truist teammates are driven by a common purpose to inspire and build better lives and communities. They strive every day to make things better for their clients, teammates, and stakeholders. Truist envisions a world with equal access to economic opportunities. Truist proudly supports the mission of Crew to transform the commercial real estate industry by advancing women globally. Crew Upstate's Truist contact is Michelle Dodge, SVP. She can be reached at michelle.dodge at truist.com.